Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Most quotable movie ever? Mmm. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Did you get the hat that we got free bowl soup with? Stop it. <laughs> Where's the hat? <laughs> he kept it. Hey! Oh, it looks good on you, though. Earlier on the show, NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah. Coming up from NBC Sports. Peter King, senior writer for The Athletic, Nicole Auerbach, plus baseball Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. Great chat with Daniel Jeremiah in hour number one. I came on the air and started this show saying it was going to be the best show ever because everybody on this program did their independent study last night as prescribed by Rich Eisen Productions management. Um, the Rich Eisen Productions issued tablets have all of the information that everybody on this show needs to yeah, study to make sure you have the best show possible. And you guys nailed it, with the exception of TJ missed out on the uh, part of independent study to turn his phone off during the interview Come with on, Daniel Mother. Jeremiah. No, I'm sorry, guys. I just need to you know point out when things happen. I always say my bad when things are my bad. Um, I raise my hand. You know, but later on in the program, uh, you'll hear Kyle Shanahan talk about this being Trey Lance's team, as I told you. So that won't be a my bad. Um, That'll be coming up in hour number three. Pedro Martinez in hour three as well. Peter King will be joining us shortly. He left Josh Allen hanging for about five (laughs) seconds yesterday. Left him on red, Rich. Uh, (laughs) Bill Belichick has spoken today. A fascinating press conference. A lot of tea leaves to read into there. All 32 teams in the National Football League have opened their training camps. Football is back, people, and college football has been back for a few weeks, and that's uh, you know the beginning of professional football uh, returning because that's what college football is these days. Name, image, and likeness deal, folks. Name, image, and likeness deal. The latest to chime in on the subject matter is Kevin Warren of the Big Ten, which is holding its media Week this week in Chicago, Illinois, home of the Northwestern Wildcats. You want to include Chicago? That's where I did my quarter for. Uh, uh, that's where I did all my classes for Northwestern Graduate School in Chicago, in not in in, not in Medill, in, in, in uh, just off of Lakeshore Drive, not in Evanston. But at any rate, um, I would say <laughs> Chicago is the heart of Big Ten country, but we are too here in Los Angeles. Now. El Segundo. Uh huh. And so Kevin Warren was asked about the name, image, and likeness deal and what, uh, what he thinks of it and what can be done to rein it in, and this is what he said. I'm a big proponent of name, image, and likeness. I am so grateful that many of our student-athletes have been blessed with the ability to monetize their name, image, and likeness. That said, I am disappointed that we still have to operate with these various patchwork of laws from a state-level standpoint. We need federal legislation to help put in some guardrails, to make it even more cleaner, to make sure these name, image, and likeness is not used as a recruiting inducement. So we have a lot of work to do, even from a political standpoint. Yeah, you know what? uh, uh, What is he talking about? What he's saying is help us out, federal government, you know, where it's, (laughs) hey, look, uh, I, I, Congress agrees on hardly anything these days, as you all know, even the simple stuff, because they're all half of them are trying to you know, run to their podcast microphones to try and tell us what they think so they can get a soundbite on Fox News. You know what? I, I, I don't think 
we're going to see any consensus on this subject matter. It's 105 degrees everywhere. There's a lot more important stuff for the federal government to figure out than how to figure out name, image, and likeness for a group of uh, administrators who should, you know, quite frankly, just figure it out themselves. And I've been telling you over and over again, I think that's where it's going to go. And the Big Ten is one of the leaders and best of, of this subject matter with USC and UCLA together. Come up with your own rules in the Big Ten and say, compete with us, SEC and ACC and everyone else. Come up with your own rules and see if it passes muster with the with, with the Supreme Court at some point where it might wind up. Be the leader on that front. Come up with your own rules. This is the way we're going to do it in the Big Ten. And then we're going to do that for the Big Ten Plus when more teams add come in at some point and then the Super Leagues begin. Come up with your own idea. Create your own Super Leagues and your own national championship playoff system. Don't wait for the federal government. Good Lord, that'll never happen. Joining us from the Big Ten Media Day in Chicago, Illinois, uh, is somebody who was sitting there for that um, and is part of uh, a big week for college athletics uh, from the athletic Senior writer Nicole Auerbach back here on the Rich Eisen Show on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line. How are you doing, Nicole? I am doing great, but I do have some bad news. What the do you media got? day is not in Chicago. Where is it? It's, it's, we're in Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh, by I'm the way. I'm talking my... to you from the, the bowels of the stadium right now. I should have known that, Nicole. I should have known that because I did also see uh, the shrimp cocktail on your Twitter feed. Yes, um, so exactly. I should have figured that exactly. out. My bad. They're not in Chicago. They're in Indianapolis. So I've been. That's why I have you on to correct uh, my mistakes <laughs> and errors. So, um, what what is Kevin Warren saying? What is he thinking with the NIL? Saying that the federal legislation is is necessary? Really? I don't get that. Well, so you know, he has said this. Greg Sankey of the SEC has said this. A lot of leaders in college sports have said it, and it. It's asking someone to come solve your problems, but also you don't know exactly what they would even what, he, what they would even do. And I think you know, obviously at this point, everyone's waiting for the midterms to see you know which which part of you know which party is in charge. Because with the different proposals that we've seen in the past about NIL, you know, the Republican side they were more narrow and, and kind of more specific to just NIL, and there were some proposals from Democratic senators and representatives that were more wide ranging that. Maybe healthcare, maybe you know the ability to collectively bargain for athletes. Like there were there were other topics that got put into a bill that would also address NIL and, and those economic opportunities. But honestly, like this hasn't really been a thing that has felt like it had has had a sense of urgency since last summer when NIL was about to come down in a bunch of different states and everyone was really frantic and you had Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, and you had these commissioners saying, we need a federal solution. We need something that is national. So the rules are the same for everyone. And what ended up happening after the Supreme Court ruling last year was, you know, that deferring to schools, deferring to state laws, defer, deferring um, and in kind of the preview of what a deregulated, you know, NCAA space is going to look like because of legal issues. And, and you know what, the world still spins and the world still turns and, Things have existed and happened, and you have different rules in different places. And so the urgency kind of went away, I think, once, you know, the world kept going. So I don't really know, you know, if there is going to be federal legislation, if there is going to be, you know, federal help here, or even if it's going to be what some of these leaders even want. Um, But I think what they're really asking for is the ability to have rules and regulations around this stuff and not get sued. And we know that. You know, they've, they've, they're trying to get antitrust protections. Um, and Mark Emmert has asked about that, has talked about that. But really, again, in, in a world after last summer's Supreme Court ruling, like the NCAA has to be really careful. And that's why I just think this is all going to be deregulated. Like to your earlier point about, you know, the Big Ten could set their own rules yeah. and see what happens from that. Like that is more likely to happen because that is a better strategy in this legal environment. You can't collude with all of these other conferences and all of these other schools to, to set restrictions on this for athletes. I, I, we're just not going to go in that direction, and we're only moving in an area where athletes are going to be able to earn 
and to have opportunities, you're not going to be moving towards a way where people are going to restrict that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, Michigan's got a top-notch law school. I know that for a fact. I mean, I'm sure there are other Big Ten legal minds that can all get together and come up with something that Kevin Warren can present to athletic directors and school presidents. And the Big Ten just leads on that front. But maybe they'd be concerned that they'd if the NIL uh, rules uh, that they play by are not where other people are played by, then suddenly they lose in the recruiting and 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 suddenly they 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 can't compete when there's a college football playoff scenario that's that's actually codified that's new. I, I, maybe that's it, Nicole. I don't know. What do you yeah, think? I mean, I think a, a lot of this just kind of feels like we're in this um, this period of transition and flux that that this stuff is going to change. I mean, I even think about it when I think about like all the hand-wringing about NIL and, and boosters and collectives, like it, it doesn't feel like this is the end destination of any of this stuff. I mean, it certainly, you know, people are more and more talking about, you know, what happens if you get to an employee employer model, you have collective bargaining or a union or something like that. And there's revenue sharing, right? Like it, it feels like you're moving more towards that direction where there could be a lot cleaner of a system where you don't have third parties, you don't have to like part of the reason everyone's freaking out or, or asking for guardrails is because, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with boosters and third parties, like you can't control them. Um, it would be actually quite a bit simpler if a school could just pay the athlete directly or set up the deal directly. Right. But that, that, that wasn't something anyone wanted to do or felt comfortable with, but like it's possible that we are going to move in directions almost simplify some of this stuff or again you get into a revenue sharing model at some point and it's just it's negotiated on behalf of the athletes or whatever that is so it, it's hard for me to make sweeping comments because it just doesn't feel like this is where we're going to live five years from now it feels like we're going to be in a different environment and a different financial reality um and and i think that you know again when you think about like oh why are some of these conferences moving or why you know do we talk about the big 10 sec in a different stratosphere than everybody else well it's like you know, if some of those outside factors come in, if the courts um, or Congress or people are asking, you know, the, the, the collegiate model to change and, and to pay athletes directly in certain ways, you're going to need to have money for that. And so I think, you know, it's obviously, you know, stability and, and financial security being able to offer sports. But I do think, you know, everyone's kind of got their, their eye down the road wondering and waiting to see, you know, what's going to be the next major domino to fall that could, again, change, like, the economic reality of how college sports work. Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic here on The Rich Eisen Show. You're there in Indianapolis in the state of Indiana. So is Notre Dame. This just in. I've got Marcus Freeman on tomorrow's program. <laughs> uh, how much is Notre Dame being talked about there? I know USC and UCLA is something that Kevin Warren talked about today, and uh, and why not? Uh, the Big Ten's the only conference that touches both oceans. What about Notre Dame? Where does it fit in? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's the big question. Um, it's really, I've, I don't think I've gone a single day since the Big Ten added USC and UCLA where I've not been asked about Notre Dame. And, you know, I, I think the Big Ten has probably never been more appealing to Notre Dame because, as you mentioned, they go coast to coast. They're national. They're in L.A. They're in New York. And they're in all these places that Notre Dame likes to play and believes that it is a national brand and should be moving around to. Plus, it has... USC now, plus it has other rivals like a Michigan and other schools that, that Notre Dame likes to play. But the thing is, Notre Dame will not feel like it has to join a conference unless one of two things happens. One, it can't schedule the way that it wants to. So that's the traditional game, but that's also just having teams willing to play you in different parts of the year to fill out your schedule, to fill out that national schedule. And the other thing is playoff access. So, you know, if, we, if, if the playoff gets expanded and there's a lot of at large spots and opportunities for Notre Dame, and they're going to have easy access when they have good teams to make the playoffs. That's not an issue. And if you don't like, if the, if the SEC and the Big Ten stay at 16 for a bit, people are still going to schedule you. I think the fear is more like if this a mega conference, if we're talking like 24 teams or whatever that is, and you're going to be playing basically only conference games or or almost only conference games, like Notre Dame wouldn't have anyone to play. Like that would be. That would be something that would put a squeeze on Notre Dame. But but they have less money at the table to have that independence and, and what they value related to that. So the question then just becomes, you know, about the two major factors, the schedule and playoff access. And if they think that they can still exist and have their independence and do what they want, schedule who they want, make the playoff when they're good, they don't feel that impetus to do it. But, I, again, I mean, I, 
they they carry so many cards. Every conference would would take a call from them. Any conference would add them. Um, but it's really going to come down to when Notre Dame feels like they need to. And I think right now, with the Big Ten at 16, the SEC at 16, they still believe they can schedule how they want. And the model that they were looking at for playoff expansion last year um, and anticipated models that are going to come this year that they're going to look at, uh, you know, we know where Greg Sankey stands on this, the commissioner of the SEC. He wants a lot of at-large spots. That's very aligned with what Notre Dame wants. So, if those factors are there, there is not a pressing need for them to move, at least right now. Um, but again, if they're worried about the mega conferences, if they're worried about playoff access, that changes things. Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic, senior writer and Big Ten Network analyst, joining us from the Big Ten meetings and media week in Indianapolis, Indiana. Last one for you. What's the talk there about scheduling? Because who gets to, you know, who gets UCLA and USC in their house when the weather's awful? Um, who, I'm serious. Like, uh, how do you decide who plays USC and UCLA every year? I mean, is it, it, does USC get added to the Michigan schedule? I know this is – I got a lot of crap for saying that every, you know, major national Big Ten rivalry involves Michigan. USC yeah. is another one. H- how do you decide who gets to go west, who comes east, and who plays UCLA and UC- USC every year? Yeah, I think those are going to be the questions that, um, you know, everyone's going to have to figure out here in the next two years. Because I, I think with football, um, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to be as tied to geography, right? Like these are already schools that are crossing the country to play non-conference games. Um, you know, there's three Big Ten schools that are playing week zero. Two of them are playing each other in Ireland this year, right? Like, so I think you can be creative and, and be flexible there and create some new rivalries or, or, or have some of those iconic brands clash. Um, and, and not necessarily have to do like an East and a West because it's football. Um, I think some of the other sports, there's going to need to be some creativity, um, especially for USC and US, UCLA athletes who are going to have to keep coming, coming East. Um, but I think, I, I think you could have a lot of fun with it. I mean, again, I obviously would love to see Michigan get to play USC. I'd love to see Ohio State play USC. I mean, you don't want to load up and only give the good teams to USC. Either. You know, we want to have a balanced schedule. But I think you're, you're going to be able to play around with that and, and I think, too, you're absolutely right about, like, the, the geography and the advantages there. I mean, I, I was thinking back a couple of years ago in USC, um, the, the Pac-12 didn't do them any favors, and they played 12 straight weeks, and they didn't have a bye until, you know, the end of the season where they had it, like, week one or something like that, and it was just bizarre. But you're going to have to have, you know, some strategic scheduling um, on behalf of the Big Ten. You, you want to put your best teams in positions to have success. So, you know, how, how does that incorporate with new members that are going to be full members. They're going to get the full revenue share right away as well, by the way, for USC and UCLA. That was something Kevin Warren said today, which is a big deal. Um, but, you know, how, how do you balance that and then also give Fox and your TV partners and everyone the matchups that they want to see? And part of the reason you're adding these iconic brands is so that they do clash with your iconic brands. So I think, you know, they have two years to figure all of that out and to figure out how, how they're going to schedule in general um, because, you know, obviously now no one has to have divisions. So, I think, you know, hopefully there's some balance. Hopefully there's, you know, a couple protected rivalries and you could just assign some for some of the new members. But I, I don't think you have to be tied to geography um, in, in the football sense because these, these programs are already traveling across the country all the time. No, I know. Somebody like uh, somebody sitting in Ann Arbor, Columbus, um, Happy Valley might have to at some point state college uh, a midnight kickoff, right? Uh, out here in uh, the Rose Bowl or or the Coliseum. Somebody's yeah. sitting there staying up till three in the morning watching their team play. I mean, the Big Ten's going to have a ton of windows that they haven't normally had, and that's coming down the pike. So uh, in the meantime, I look forward to the North Face deal with the USC, the first ever such a thing, you know, for, you know, Patagonia, UCLA deal that might be coming that never existed, yeah. you know? Yeah. There was a really good, um, it was that meme of Margot Robbie and, and, and Ryan Gosling in their Barbie outfits. And it was like, oh, here's USC and UCLA coming to Columbus right. in November. And I was like, oh, this is great. But yeah, I mean, there's going to be, that stuff's going to be fun um, and interesting. I mean, you know, we always joke like, you know, wouldn't it be fun if like Alabama came and played Ohio State or something, you know, for a home game in the playoff or something, right? But like, coming. I, I think I think adding the elements is going to be, uh, it's going to be a nice wrinkle. And Kevin Warren did emphasize the fact that they'll be in four time zones. He did talk about those late night kickoffs on the West Coast. So, yeah, all that stuff that you just talked about, absolutely factor. It is amazing. The world is changing. Nicole, thanks for the time. We'll chat during the season. Look for my call. All right. Thanks Appreciate again. it. You got it. That's Nicole Auerbach. I follow her on Twitter. You should as well. Great information, as always, from the Athletic Senior Writer. We'll take a break. 
Hall of Famer Peter King will be joining us next on The Rich Eisen Show. It'll be awesome. Don't you miss it. Training camps are open. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for $20 off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, the great Peter King joining us here on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line as training camp season is open. He is one of the all-time greats, pro football, Hall of Famer, and NBC sports compadre, Peter King, on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, PK? Rich, I'm not so great today. I'm okay. kind of an ignoramus. Why? <laughs> you, that thing. No! You, you didn't uh, notice, Josh Allen. you got to work on your peripheral vision, basically, is what I'm saying, Peter. Yeah, I Did really you? do. I really <laughs> do. That was, that was really one of the most bizarre things, because at first, yes, yes. when I finally did see his hand, I, you know, and I shook it, he was like, I, he it was instead of being like, dude, you left me hanging. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world because he asked my camera person, Kelsey Bartles. He yes. said, "Did you get that?" Did you get that? No. He wanted to make sure that the embarrassment would be there for all to see, <laughs> and it is. Well, I mean, so you were just you were just laser locked down the barrel of the camera, and and one of the most famous right hands in in. The NFL just hanging there. You just, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and and so here, here's what I will do, Peter. Uh, what we always do in the media is take something fun and try and read into it. That's that's something serious for the for the for the season. I I'm serious. It does appear that none of the expectations that are heaped upon the Bills and this kid has at all affected a single thing about him. It looks like that is how he showed so up either. to camp. I don't think so either. In fact, you know, one of the things that I wrote a little bit about this in my column mm-hmm. uh, is that, you know, I was talking to Sean McDermott about about Allen and also about some of the stuff that had happened in Buffalo this offseason, mm-hmm. the Topps grocery store shooting and and all that. And um, and And Sean McDermott just volunteered this. He said, you know, it's like when David Ortiz uh, took the microphone after the uh, you know the marathon bombing in Boston, and he said, "This is our bleeping city." And I mean, obviously, this is uh, Josh Allen is not in Buffalo yet. What Ortiz became in Boston? Yes. But his whole thing was athletes are really important in cities, and in this particular case. 
I don't know if you remember, Rich, because this was probably two months ago, when, when Josh Allen went down to the site of that shooting and how eloquent he was uh, sort of in his, in his comforting words and all that stuff, that I think he, he started to become more than just the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. He really became almost like a civic leader in many ways. And you talk to the people around the Bills and, uh, and his advancement in those kind of things, with those kind of things, really uh, has been impressive to the people who run that organization. I just love the kid. I love him. I just think he is yeah. a face of the league now. Um, yeah. it, which, by the way, the Bills fans have been dying for a quarterback to be called as such yep. for decades. Uh, uh, last year was not a fluke at all. It was a step forward. And now everybody believes the next step is winning it all. Rich, I don't think any quarterback has ever played that I have covered. I don't think any quarterback has played a better game than the game he played against New England in the playoffs. And, I mean, there have been guys I'm sure we could all t- figure out games where quarterbacks were were unbelievable and perfect and all that stuff. But on that night, uh, with the weather being absolutely horrendous, being zero degrees, whatever it was, I don't know. But I, I don't know how you play a game any better, particularly against your arch rivals. Uh, in that weather than than they did that night. It was than he did that night. And then, hey, the next week in Kansas City, where uh, you know he was fantastic in that game as well. It's look, I don't know who I'm going to pick to be MVP this year. I think I know who I'm going to pick, <laughs> but uh, but I, I don't. I will not be surprised if he goes on an incredible run right now because. The other thing is, Rich, they really have a good supporting cast. You know, they're better in the backfield now. Gabriel Davis is a legit 1B to Stephon Diggs 1A. They've got a really good tight end in Dawson Knox. I don't know. I think this team is really pretty good. Peter King here on the Rich Eisen Show. So where are you heading next? Where, are you still in western New York, or have you already moved No, on, I, I came home. I came okay. home to Brooklyn for three days. Okay. Then Thursday I'm going to uh, Foxborough to see the Patriots and then uh, just continue on. I guess I might miss Joe Burrow, though, in a week. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. He's, got a, he's having his appendix removed, and, um, but everybody yeah. uh, expects him to be ready for the beginning of the season. Uh, Jerry Jones today, Peter, saying, uh, giving a vote of confidence to Mike McCarthy with McCarthy sitting there um, and saying how um, McCarthy wouldn't be sitting where he was if he was not somebody who McCar- uh, Jerry Jones believed to um, take his team to the Super Bowl and win it. And then he added at the end, and I have choices, is what he was pointing out. What what to make yeah. of all this? Because Mike McCarthy's saying that uh, this is a media-driven narrative, but I leave it to you. Look, the only thing that there's only one thing that matters in this particular story right now, and that is winning games. You know, uh, if they uh, if they go seven and ten this year, Mike McCarthy's getting fired. If they go 10-7 and seven and win a playoff game, he's not. And so, I don't know, anytime Jerry Jones opens his mouth about Mike McCarthy and says anything, it's a story for three days. When in reality, the only thing <clears throat> that matters now and that will matter going into the future is how well the Cowboys play. I understand that everybody on God's green earth thinks that a year from now it'll be Sean Payton leading the Dallas Cowboys into Oxnard. And you know what? It might be. It's it's clear that uh, Sean Payton very likely is, I shouldn't say very likely, but likely is getting back into coaching. And it's clear that the Cowboys love Sean Payton. But he's not firing Mike McCarthy if the Cowboys play well. So there's that storyline. Um, what do you make of the Kyler Murray contract clause 
requiring him to study independently. You know, when Ian Rappaport wrote that, I guess it was Ian who broke that yesterday, right? I think Florio uh, was, uh, know, was in on that uh, as well. Pardon me? I think Florio was in on oh, that okay, as well. Mike, sure. Yeah, I, I, I was asleep when it happened. So, so was Connor, so I, I think. I didn't know, but... So, so is Kyler. I, I think I he was listening to his. I think he was listening to the meditation on his iPad as well. I don't know. That's what we do with our kids. Yeah, I, I immediately, I immediately thought that's not a small story. <laughs> you know, that is not. It's not. That's not just. It's not. That's not just a little tweet because what it what it it said immediately to me is that. Hey, we just want some assurance that you're going to work at this job. Can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody ever approaching Tom Brady or Peyton Manning and saying, "Hey, we have we're putting in a homework clause in your contract." It's it, it is. I don't know what to say other than it. It says to me that this organization. Uh, might be a little bit concerned about the kind of work Kyler Murray does away from the facility. And clearly, they're going to deny that. Um, but why then did you put it in the contract? Yes, I mean, to put it in black and white like that in the language that also um, appears to be unenforceable. I mean, unless there's a, uh, you know... Um a, an actual babysitter. No, there is a way to do it, Rich. Well, the monitor. There is a way. How do you do there it? There is a way. What do you got? Here's exactly what it is. Uh, players take tablets home. Yes. Okay. These tablets, which used to be playbooks, you know, 20 years ago, this would have been impossible to enforce. Okay. Okay. But today, it's not impossible because when you turn your tablet, your team issued tablet on. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a record of that. Uh, You know, there basically is an e-record of that inside the server at the at the team's. uh, You know, in inside the team server, and so when that thing is turned on, the team can know that it's that it's turned on. Yeah, but by who, because, Peter? They can't tell by who or instead of watching the film on the Bears, well, if Kyler's not yeah. watching the Bear on uh, uh, streaming it at the same time, you know, like they can't tell that. I don't know if they I, Rich, I think they probably would be able to tell okay. what he's watching on that. I think they can. I think there's enough of uh whatever a digital fingerprint about what you're watching. And look, is it possible that he can hire John Doe? Here, I'll pay you fifty bucks an hour to to watch uh, watch this tape on my you know on my tablet. Could he do that? I suppose he could. And but the bottom line in this is this. This raised eyebrows when I read about it. Well, because again, Peter, it's just uh, I'm, here's the deal. Okay, um, the Cardinals are not going to walk away from Kyler Murray because they think he's not uh, a hard worker when he's out of the building because he's so generationally remarkable when he does play. Um, and it's not as if he skips team meetings, right? I mean, he does do the work when it's required of him in the building. If they think the extra stuff is the difference between them winning and losing, and maybe that has been a cause for the last couple of years with the post Thanksgiving Day swoon that appears to befall this team every year. Right. The question is, though, all right, is how will Murray take this? Maybe just may, if, if, uh, he, he's got to be infuriated that this is the conversation today and that we, we all feel that that he needs to be babysat and he doesn't have the same work ethic as, say, every single other quarterback in the NFL in his position, one would think. Right, right. Right? So, I, Rich, I, I, I understand I I think you're right about this, and um, I am. I think it's notable, and it'll be interesting to see how all parties handle it from here on out. Peter King here on the Rich Eisen Show. So I'll ask you this question that I asked Daniel Jeremiah earlier and Mark Schlereth yesterday: the team that intrigues you the most, 2022, entering the season, Peter King is which? Detroit Lions. Okay. All right. Uh, you had me at Detroit. What do you have? What are you thinking? Not not that I think they're – I mean, they're not beating the Packers, but – and I don't even know that they're going to 
finish ahead of the of the Vikings. Uh, I doubt they will. But I just like a lot of the things that I see happening in Detroit. All right. um, I think that Dan Campbell has a very, very good feel of the pulse of this team. Um, I think that Aaron Glenn has been jonesing as the defensive coordinator for a playmaker up front, which they simply did not have. And I think now they think they might have one in Aiden Hutchinson. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him, obviously. Um, and then I believe that uh, that the way – I often look, Rich, for how a team played later in the year uh, or late in the year when looking toward next season. And, you know, Jared Goff was 3-1 and one down the stretch. This team was 3-3 three and three down the stretch. And I think when I look at how a team plays when the games are absolutely meaningless, um, that is significant to me. These guys play really hard for this coach. Um, and I just I like a lot of what I see. There was one thing. I was there in May. And it was the end of, a, of an OTA practice. And coming off the field, I was standing there talking to uh, Brad Holmes, their general manager, Coming off the field, I bet there were 20 guys who came up and either fist-bumped the general manager or hugged him and had a little 30-second little thing with him. And when I when he finished, I said, man, these guys, not only like you, they looks like they really like being here. You know, that you just kind of get the impression that things are changing there. And I think they got a decent chance to win seven or eight games. How about that? When do we? Who's the next quarterback to sign? What do you think? Who is it? Is it Lamar? Does he actually sign? Uh, training camps open. Isn't you know, he I mean, really so. about the only one left? Like obviously, Burrow and Herbert are going to sign this off season. You would think, uh, but I I don't know who's left. I mean, it's I entirely possible either one. Of, Peter, it's entirely possible either one of them does sign before Lamar. I mean, Lamar could go into this year with no. Yeah contract and they'll have to franchise and, and Rick, tag him let me, and you let know. me ask you a question let sure. me just i, I want to ask you this question I'm about here. lamar okay um and it's that you know i think the ravens are sitting here right now thinking that and again i have no idea what they're thinking but this is what i'd be thinking if i was them if i were them we can either sign lamar jackson right now for somewhere in the vicinity of 47 million dollars mm-hmm a year, something like that. Or we can wait, and if he has a Flacco-type year that he had a decade ago when he bet on himself, if he has a year like that, then we got to pay him $55 million. So maybe they say, we know we're going to sign him anyway, so maybe we ought to just bite the bullet and do it now. But there's one thing that makes me a little bit uneasy about Lamar. He's played four playoff games. Uh, he has not played well in a single one of them, I don't think. Um, and uh, so that's four games. One and three record. I think he's averaged 13 points a game or something like that. And and that makes me uneasy. You're not drafting or you're not paying Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, whatever they're going to pay him, 40 or $50 million a year. Um you know, to beat the Browns in October. You're paying them to beat the Bills in January. No doubt about that, Peter. And so, and so my answer to that is, you know, my, my kids go to a summer camp that has a very Baltimore, um, you know, centric um, base within it. Okay, there's a ton of yep. – they're all wearing eight jerseys, man. I mean, and, yeah. and, and, and Lamar is the Ravens organization. And to their credit, they changed everything about what they do – for him when they turn to him and i know yeah. he hasn't played as you say well in a playoff game but part of that may also be where's the game breaker out wide right like let me see let me see somebody uh, of jamar chase's status drafted for him let's see one of those guys let's see somebody who's going to take the top of the defense off they've got terrific tight ends and a terrific running game but they really haven't yeah. had a game-changing receiver with him, and I know that might be sounding like making an excuse for Lamar, but let's see one of them. 
Let's get him one of those type guys who can change the game from yeah, outside I, the not, numbers. I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing with before you. We make that, before we make that. Before we make that decision about on Lamar about that aspect. Uh, well, you, now you don't have the ability to do that. You you can't you can't wait for it uh, because they don't have one now. Right. The earliest they could have one is next off season, and you've got to do something with them before the twenty three season. So, uh, look, I just know this. I'd be a little bit uneasy paying a million. I might have to. But I'd be a little bit uneasy paying him a million dollars before I saw him play well in January. Peter King, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Let's uh, let's talk before the season again. Always appreciate it, Peter. Okay, Rich, all the best to you. Thank okay. you. At Peter underscore King, the great Peter King. I keep going back to that drop that we have asked you to create over the last couple weeks. It seems to be a theme here. This is the business we've chosen. And the business we've chosen is somebody who has already won an MVP and somebody who has absolutely woven his game into the DNA of the the city and the fan base and the team. It's his turn. It's his time. Are you going to let him walk? Because he hasn't shown up in a playoff game in the manner that Josh Allen has. He's game-changing, man. And when the Ravens are up on you and they're doing all of this mesh point craziness with Lamar and running backs and fullbacks and tight ends and wide receivers, and they can dictate the pace and they can dictate on offense, creating confusion for your defense. You have no idea who's got the ball and who's going to get it. They're real tough to beat. You get up on them, and now it's Lamar's got to beat you. And there's a defensive coordinator in the Mike Sando piece that says, I I don't care, he's never going to be number one as a quarterback. He's number one as a football player. That's them saying Lamar can't beat you with his arm. My point is, when Lamar tries to beat you with his arm, who are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? Mark Andrews, right? Name me another guy who you're afraid of on that team. Rashard Bateman, Devin DuVernay, and James Proche II are his is, wide receivers this is it. right now, guys. Give me a um, Jamar Chase, a Justin Jefferson, a Jalen Waddell. Which he's never had. Give me one of them for him. Give me one of them. Hollywood Brown was that guy. And, you know, he made some plays. There's also... an. I've seen it on social media a number of times. Lamar hit him in hands, and the hands dropped the ball. Big-time plays, game-changing plays, including in that Detroit game that they needed Justin Tucker to bail him out with a 60-million-yard field goal. Hmm. Hit the upright. So let's take a break. When we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show, Bill Belichick, some fascinating things coming out of his mouth today that you really never hear. From him, that's next. Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn cereal rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial film debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr and many more streaming right now on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number two dial. New England Patriots <laughs> have opened their training camp writ large. Everybody there. Everybody there. And the gathered media, one of the many questions asked of Bill Belichick is, who is calling the plays on offense Oof. now that Josh McDaniels is gone? 
He's now the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. My Las Vegas Raiders. They are your Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, Belichick has not named any coordinators. And by the way, the, the New England media has been hammering at this issue. They're just bored. For weeks, if not months, who <laughs> is, is calling the plays and why will you not name an offensive coordinator? As a matter of fact, the titles for his coaching staff came out just last week. Joe Judge got the title of offensive assistant slash quarterbacks. So he's going to be the one in um, Matt Jones's ear. And Matt Patricia is senior football advisor slash offensive line. Who's calling the plays? Bill Belichick asked exactly that today. Is there is there a point this summer where you want to make it clear to your players who, who is calling uh, plays on that end? Yeah, uh, look, I'm a head coach. Ultimately, I'm responsible for everything, so just leave it at that. That's what it is. And that's his answer. Uh, there um, is is curt and uh, and very short and to the point. <laughs> and by the way. There's no question every single offensive player knows right now who's calling the plays because that person is most likely calling the plays in training camp, training camp. Remember those? When he was asked about that in OT, what do we call it? Uh, OTA plays? Minicamp plays. plays. Is that what we're talking about? Minicamp plays. (laughs) Everybody knows. And apparently it's Matt Patricia. Tom Curran who covers the Patriots for New England, uh, for New York, NBC Sports Boston, says, I'm nearing IDGAF territory. Look it up. On the play caller slash OC slash DC talk, Patricia's going to call the plays and be acting OC. But not naming him allows the Patriots to let Detroit keep paying him through the end of his Lions contract, which is this year, and means Patricia doesn't have to do weekly coordinator calls. All right, so there's your answer. <laughs> There's your answer. And and Belichick's not going to spell it out like that. So it's Patricia and his number two pencil who will be calling the plays this year. And you can have your own questions about whether that's going to be the same as McDaniels or not. You have questions about how effective that's going to be or not. But that's the way it's going to be. And the players already know it. Now then, what is Bill willing to talk about? Usually it's the past, Right. You got to ask him questions about the past. Instead of asking about his tight ends right now, ask him about his tight ends right now through the, pris- the prism of Zeke Moat, and you'll get a long answer. <laughs> okay? <laughs> what about his quarterback, Mac Jones? How's he going to look? Normally you'll get like, yeah, well, we'll see when we see. Yes. Nah, here was his answer today. Yeah, I think Mac's done a great job. Uh, he's, he's worked extremely hard. Uh, he's got a tremendous work ethic and uh, in all areas. Um, you know, I think there's a dramatic improvement. Um, his, you know, his physical uh, work and conditioning, um, working on his mechanics, working on his footwork, working on his understanding of our offense, of opponent defenses, of situations, um, all those things. Um, we've talked about all those things in varying degrees, some more emphasis than others, and the emphasis on maybe some other things will come later on. We can't do it all at once, but... Yeah, he's worked hard. He's made tremendous strides, and and um, you know he did a great job last year. But he's starting from a much much higher point this year than than where he started last year. So um, you know his his off season work has been significant, and I think everyone recognizes um, you know how how well he prepares um, and how much further along he was than than he was a year ago. I mean, that is just babbling on about it. Just nonstop. Ask Brady. That's a manhole cover he just threw around right there. He didn't have to do that for Tom, though. Well, I mean, early on in his career, maybe. I don't know. Look, we always look about forevermore Belichick talking about Mac Jones in the same way as how he handled Brady. It's 2022, and he was – that is – you can't even call that high praise. That is the ultimate from Belichick. You got to be fired up, man. He wouldn't be doing that unless Mac Jones can A, handle it, or B, deserve it. You had a great year last year. But, but to say that he's done all of that, and the remarkable thing is he's clearly taken to his independent study time. <laughs> clearly taken to independent study time. Wow. wow. Top 10 QB, let's go. Pedro Martinez coming up as well. I'm picking them to win the AFC East. 
You're Ooh. out of your mind. What there. can we get for no, odds on that, Mikey? Right now, I, I'm taking. Let's look right now. Are Bob. you really going to do that? I swear, I'm putting a hundred. I'm, I'm definitely putting. Because at some point, did you just give me the hundred? Then no, oh, just like let I me won have it. With the Patriots making the playoffs last year, and I made it. You guys win the NFC. Yeah, how they do in the playoffs okay, but, last but, but year? Doesn't matter. I just had to make it. Uh, uh, I want a little cash. Five to one right now. Five to one. Here's how it goes. Here's the amazing thing. Buffalo doesn't play New England until Week 13. That is the way. That is the week after. That is the week after Thanksgiving, a Thursday night game. Again, two teams that are playing on Thanksgiving, so it's a full complement of rest. That is your week 13 post-Thanksgiving Thursday night game, and then the final game of the year is at Buffalo. So I will just say this. That would give me pause for your uh, statement there, Mikey. Is Josh Allen, what he did last year. I love him. This is why he's so beloved in this town of Western New York, Buffalo, and everybody else there as well, as for the obvious reasons. He snatched New England's soul in the playoffs. No, I know. And that doesn't make up for 20 years of Brady ass-kicking. But it turned a page. It turned a page, and New England is now David. Because this quarterback is a Goliath. He is a, as I I said, I called this two years ago. I said, Josh Allen is coming for your souls. He comes for your soul. And he has, when he has the ball in his hand, and you're going to see it this year, a, a sense of inevitability that when you're going against somebody like him, Trust me, as a Jet fan going against Brady and Marino, when those guys had the ball in their hands, and Jim Kelly, for those K-gun years, they had the ball in their hands, you're just like, okay, how is he going to hurt me now? I I, I have to steel myself for that moment. Allen showed that face to New England last year. So, Mac Jones, I'm glad for your sake, Chris, and for every New England fan that I know, including those in my household, to hear that major Step of improvement, because that's what's going to be necessary. And Tua better be the most accurate quarterback in the league. And the Jets better have made the right moves in the draft, because Buffalo is here to stay. I missed that parade they had. I got you. I got you.